Welcome to Suiting Up Varsity, a podcast dedicated to the sound of the band, the smell of popcorn, the feel of an old letter jacket, the sight of teenagers hoisting trophies high above their heads, and most of all, to the grand history, fantastic stories, and engaging personalities of Nebraska prep sports. Join us as we look back in time at the great moments from a century plus of Nebraska high school athletics. This week, our time machine takes us to the cramped theater seats of Lincoln's multi-purpose Pershing Auditorium for the Class A girls basketball state final of 1982. The 4,000-plus fans here are on the edge of those seats as just 10 seconds remain in a back-and-forth titanic battle between 20-0 Kearney and 18-1 Lincoln Northeast. Kearney's Brenda Ward is stepping to the free-throw line to try to extend a 42-40 Bear Kitten lead. Yes, they are called the Bear Kittens in the 1982 newspapers of the day. Quote, if there was a player who I wanted at the line at that point, it was Brenda, said Kearney coach Ross Armstrong, talking to the Omaha World Herald later. She is the one player I have who I knew would not lose her composure. Ward does not disappoint her coach as the first free throw sails through the net and the Kearney lead is three. The second attempt, though, finds rim, and the ball bounds to the left side of the court. After a bit of a scramble, it finds its way to Northeast's high-scoring forward Karen Moore. Moore, who has put on one of the greatest scoring displays in the short history of the girls' state basketball tournament, this is just tourney number six for the Nebraska Prep girls, has scored 16 in the Thursday quarterfinals, 23 in the semis, and 23 so far today, and has not missed in seven field goal attempts since halftime. She takes a couple quick dribbles and gathers her feet at about the free throw line extended in front of the Kearney bench. She is 73 feet from her goal when she reaches back for a baseball pass heave at the hoop. Of course, it hits nothing but net. No one measures the exact distance of a miss, you know. And more goes down in Nebraska sports folklore. Those of you doing the math correctly at home, though, know she also goes down in defeat, 43-42. to 42. That amazing full-court heave that will be retold time and again throughout the state in the years to come that Sports Illustrated in its April Faces in the Crowd section will call the longest shot ever believed to have been made in a state basketball tournament by a girl or a boy counted only two points in 1982, just like every other basketball field goal in Nebraska high schools before 1988 when the three-point arc became the law of the land. Kearney celebrated its first and only girls' state basketball title after three straight semifinal losses in the previous years, and Moore's legend became part of halftime festivities at high school games in Nebraska for several years to come. Moore's futile but amazing shot was featured nationally on ESPN that March. The worldwide leader in Bristol, Connecticut, was so young then that the Omaha World Herald felt the need to explain to its readers that ESPN was a television network specializing in sports programming. Who knew? The shot also got national attention on a media far more familiar to Nebraskans in 1982. Radios nationally syndicated The Paul Harvey Show. 
I don't remember either of those broadcasts specifically, but I do remember that for several years, maybe most of the rest of the decade, it was not unusual at a Nebraska prep game to buy a ticket for a chance at throwing in what they called a Karen Moore shot. That's what the advertising posters in the gym would call it, to win some grand prize or another. I never saw anyone make good on that recreation, but I saw it many, many times. Moore and her opposite on the court that day, Carney Stacy Emming, were both just juniors and shared headlines on the All-State team a couple weeks later. Seniors, Sarita Miller of Bellevue East and Gail Swanson of Omaha Bryan, would join them. The Bryan Bears had been the defending champions and riding a 21-game win streak until they fell to Moore and the Rockets in the semis, even after jumping out to an early 11-2 lead. Kearney had ended the Bellevue East season in the other semifinal. The Chieftains had survived a first-round game with Omaha Central when Ginger Rogers hit two late free throws. No word on whether Fred Astaire was in Pershing Auditorium for the game. Central, though, was led by a super sophomore who averaged almost 20 points a game and would go on to be one of the best to ever play at the state and at the university, Mortise Ivey. The fifth spot on the All-Nebraska team in 1982, though, went to high-scoring Donna Waddle of North Bend Central. Waddle led the high-scoring Tigers to the Class B semifinal, where they sported 1980s chic sleeved uniforms with football-like shoulder stripes, offset numbers to the right, and NBC vertically down the left side. Their fast pace helped the Tigers find 21 shot attempts in the third quarter alone as they dispatched Albion in the first round. Grand Island Northwest, though, would apply the brakes on Friday, and Waddle and NBC would only get 28 shots in the entire game against the Viking 1-3-1 zone. GI Northwest would advance 38-31. Number one ranked Sydney would take the other Class B semifinal, surviving a feisty Raymond Central team 43-41. Sophomore star Stacy Bartling and the Red Raiders would be looking for a companion trophy to in the fall. Northwest, though, would dictate the pace of that game as well after taking an early 10-0 lead. The Vikings took just 19 shots in the entire contest as Coach Barry Schultz instructed them to probe the Red Raiders attacking man-to-man and wait for a breakdown and a layup opportunity. Mindy Roby grabbed an offensive rebound with 90 seconds left and hit the bucket that put Grand Island Northwest up 32-31, and that's the way it ended, even as Sydney high scorer Jane Weezer had a good look at a 10-footer in the final seconds, and teammate Bartling got a second chance in the lane. Both shots found the back of the iron and skipped away. Rhonda Grosh led the champions with 11 points. 5'11", Chris Becker joined her on the all-tournament team as the linchpin of that 1-3-1 defense. The pedigree of that 1-3-1 was pretty good. The World Herald interviewed Viking assistant coach Steve Verton, who had played for the original Nebraska 1-3-1 guru Jim Killer Kane at Elkhorn Mount Michael and went on to be devil offenses for years with variations of that defense as the head coach at Aurora and Adam Central. Verton passed away in May 2017, and his loss was felt deeply by the entire Nebraska basketball coaching community. 
My favorite memory of Coach Verton was a time early in my coaching career when I was down at Hogan's Sporting Goods in Hastings, Nebraska, uh, to do the Coach's Open House Show on Saturday, a, a staple of the Hastings sports tradition. Uh, and I was talking to another young assistant, the defensive coordinator from St. Cecilia, uh, Randy Aarons. And Randy was a little upset the night before St. Cecilia had gotten a big win, 66-6. to But there were some hard feelings at the end of the game. St. Cecilia had all its reserves in, had its freshman quarterback in, a kid who was going to be a great athlete. But, uh, you know, and they were calling plays, trying to keep the score down. But the freshman kid, he doesn't want to keep the score down. And he ends up going deep and hitting a big pass. Uh, for the 66th point and and coach Aaron's was just feeling bad because the coaches on the opposite sideline were upset coach Verton who was the defensive coordinator for Adam Central that football season uh, I believe uh, stepped over he had overheard the story and he he told coach Aaron's he said listen what you need to tell him is if it's 66 to 6 the last thing you need to be worrying about is what's going on on the other sideline I wish my coach Verton uh, impression was a little bit better, but uh, I'll never forget that day. He was always a fond of, of coaching wisdom. But back to 1982. <laughs> the drama and the excitement of the late session championships that day had been great, between Moore's accurate heave and Northwest's plucky survival. But the morning session may have provided even more drama. Both the Class C noon game and the Class D game that followed went to overtime. In Class D, the Humboldt Cardinals used the opposite of the GI Northwest approach, uh, looking for a layup strategy. The World Herald's Larry Porter said most of their shots came from the parking lot, including a 20-footer by Lori Hoagland to open the overtime period. Clearwater, the defending state champs, never recovered from that bomb and didn't score in the extra period. Humboldt coach Don Overfield said, quote, we believe in those long shots. We operate on the philosophy of, if you're open, shoot it. The day had opened with an even more dramatic battle between newcomer Elkhorn Valley and established power Hastings St. Cecilia. The Hawkettes from Hastings had won three of the first five Class C state basketball tournaments, as well as eight of the first 11 state track titles. The Falcons had only even reached one state tournament before that day a one-and-done appearance in 1981. Things went from dark to worse in the second quarter when, already down five points, Elkhorn Valley watched their all-time leading scorer, Teresa Johnson, go down with a knee injury and be carried from the court on a stretcher. Coach Keith Steiner said after the game, quote, First, you want to cry, and then you want to pray. She is so much to our ball club. She's a fantastic athlete. The Falcons rallied, though, behind five foot three Kelly Horton, whose ball handling negated the usually lethal St. Cecilia Press and helped bring Elk Valley back. STC actually needed a Shelly Kitten free throw with just three seconds left to force the game into overtime. In the extra period, Kitten was again at the line, dropping in two charity shots to put the Hawkettes up 46-44 to with 44 seconds left. Then, though, Tammy Warnicke took over. In a matter of 20 seconds, she tied the game with a basket and then intercepted a Hawkett pass to give the Falcons the last shot. Steiner called for a timeout and drew up a play for Horton, who the World Herald would name All-Tournament and All-State. But her jumper caromed off and into the hands of teammate Dita Barty. Barty, who had connected on only one of the five shots she had taken so far in that game, put the ball back up and, according to her after the game, just closed my eyes and prayed. 
The ball fell through the net as the buzzer sounded and the consolidated school in Tilden had its first state championship in any sport. They would win another girls' basketball title in Class D1 in 2010. The girls' tournament was growing, as female sports in general were in 1982. Attendance was up for the fourth straight year, topping 29,000 for the first time since the earliest tournaments when curiosity had been a big factor. The next year, in 1983, the girls would get their first chance to play in the Bob Devaney Sports Center, where the boys' tourney had been headquartered since it was built in 1976. Neighboring Iowa was still drawing many, many, many more fans to its long-established six-girl state basketball tournament. But a World Herald survey of Iowa schools in March showed that the Hawkeye State was moving toward more and more acceptance of the five-girl rules used in Nebraska and most other states. Now it's funny to think of that even being a question with the popularity and success of of women's basketball at the college Olympic and WNBA level. The idea that women would have different and a totally complete game of the six-person rules seems absurd. But in 1982, it was a real question. Volleyball had also made a big move in the fall of 1981 as its state tournament was played in the capital city for the first time after spending its first nine years in Kearney and Scotts Bluff. The move helped with media coverage as the Class A volleyball story appeared on the front page of the sports section in 1981. After having been on page 12C next to the Doan Peru College football game in 1980. Of course, Still no pictures, and nothing but scores from the other three classes. Kearney, which got to the top of the mountain in basketball, had just missed in volleyball, as the round ball result was reversed. Lincoln Northeast, with All-State hitter Laura Germis and All-State setter Tammy Mao, won this in three sets. Class B also saw a reversal of fortunes, where Sydney uh, had won in volleyball, defeating Player of the Year Lene Losky of Columbus Lakeview, 15-12, 15-2, before finishing as runners-up on the basketball court. Linda Lotion represented the Raiders on the All-State list. In Class C, Grand Island Central Catholic, led by All-Stater Carla Rourke, didn't drop a set against Imperial, St. Cecilia, and Howells on the way to the school's first volleyball state title. The Crusaders have added eight more state title trophies to their volleyball collection in the years since. Sumner Eddyville Miller looked to be in trouble in the Class D title game as the Wheatland Spartans from way out west in Madrid smoked them 15-1 in the first set. The Mustangs, though, stormed back to take the next two and the championship behind All-State hitter Michelle Anderson. Another change on the Title IX sports front in 81-82 was the second running of the girls' state cross-country championships. They were held in conjunction with the boys' meet in Kearney in October. The boys had district qualifying in the week before, but the girls still had few enough schools participating for it to be an all-comers meet. Class C was the smallest division. Class D wouldn't have a boys' or girls' race until 1994. And Burwell grabbed the individual honor in C for the second straight year as Deanie Busher took the crown worn by schoolmate Terry John the year before. Jenny Sheldon of Crofton was runner-up as her team claimed the team title. It would be the Warriors' first of eight straight girls' cross-country titles in the 1980s. 
In Class B, Lincoln Pius X's Jill Noel won her second of three straight individual titles, but Lexington ran away with the team title. Basketball star Shelley Block finished third for Gothenburg. Mary A. Men of Lincoln East was the individual titleist in Class A, narrowly edging North Platte's Bonnie Niebauer and New School Millard North's Linda Elsasser. Niebauer's teammates, Pam Kuntz and Terry Walsh, also grabbed top 10 finishes as the Bulldogs easily won the team title for the second straight year. North Platte would add a third straight championship in 1982. Girls golf and gymnastics also contested championships in the fall of 1981. Class B golf was played at Lincoln's Mahoney Park, and the Shadron Cardinals took the team crown behind top 10 finishes for Robin Muller and Susan Roll. Patty Atkins of Omaha Bishop Ryan carded an 82 to claim the individual medal, ahead of runner-up Joan Balls of Crete. Carrie Dubininsky of Lincoln East ran away with the girls' golf gold medal at Omaha's Benson Park, besting Carrie Mangan of Omaha Marion by six strokes. In the team race, Lincoln Southeast won its third straight team title and its fifth in six years. One of the closest state gymnastics races in history had a similar storyline, story with the Knights of Southeast hoisting the team trophy and East Spartan Lisa Domina capturing the individual title. Southeast edged cross-town rival East by five one-hundredths of a point in the team standings to win its third straight title in gymnastics. Domina upset defending state champion Shar Hegeman of Papillion, who finished third behind runner-up Renee Gold of Lincoln Northeast. In the winter, it was Southeast again chasing another title, this time in the swimming pool at the Devaney Center, in the second year of the combined boy-girl swim championships. It was the tenth year of the girls' state swim meet, but the first eight were held separately from the boys in the fall of the season. Night diver Kathy Young led a 1-2-4 Southeast domination off the board on the first day to give Southeast an early lead. In the pool, they were led by Barb Molaski, who was named the meet's outstanding athlete after winning the 200 individual medley and the 100 butterfly. Molaski teamed with Chris Wright, Bridget McGinn, and Sarah Capick to set a new state record in the 400 freestyle relay. It looked like the Class A Omaha schools would finish the fall and winter season with zero state girls championships, but Omaha Marion used a win in the 200 medley relay and outstanding depth to catch and tie the Knights, each with 186 points. It was the first shared title in girls' state meet history and the first state shared state swim title since Omaha Westside and Lincoln Southeast boys tied for the 1966 crown. The tie didn't dampen the enthusiasm of the Knight and Crusader swimmers, though, though almost everything else ended up damp. After the swimmers from both teams jumped in the Devaney pool to celebrate, they were soon coaxing and throwing in coaches, swimmers in street clothes, and even the Marion cheerleaders who were helping award medals throughout the meet. Southeast became the first girls squad from Lincoln to bring home the big swim trophy. They they would be the only Lincoln-based winner until East won it in 1994. Marion had won the 1981 meet. 
in the second year of the combined boy-girl track meet in the spring of 1982 at Omaha Burke, two of the biggest stars were in the Class D girls' field. Wheeler Central's junior Kathleen Erickson set state records and won gold in both the 1600 and 3200, two of six gold medals she would collect in her career, as she led the Broncos to the state team title. Hayes Center was second, behind Cami Wires, who won gold in the long jump and Class D titles in the 100 and 200, and the Specklemeyer sisters, Donna and Deb, who finished 1-2 ahead of Erickson in the 800, with Donna setting a new class record, and 2-3 behind Erickson in the 1600. Ann Polak swept the sprints for David City Aquinas and led the Monarchs to the Class C championship in a narrow two-point win over runner-up Geneva. Polak's 12.0100 meters set a new state record. Jean Montour of Arapahoe won the gold in the discus, while Shelton Sammy Resch swept the, 100, the 1600 and 3200, setting a new class record in the two-mile. Cross-country champion Jill Noel swept the Class B 8, 16, and 3200 for Lincoln Pius X as the Thunderbolts won their first girls' team state championship in, state, in school history. Gina Yoakum of runner-up Raymond Central won both the 200 and 400, setting a new class mark in the quarter. Minden won both of the relays, while Beth Stewart of Holdridge won both the shot and discus, setting the state record in the shot. The two oldest schools in the state battled throughout the meet for the Class A title. Lincoln High edged Omaha Central behind Carol Nunnally's sweep of the 8, 16, and 3200, and Michelle Maxey's gold in the 100 hurdles. Central won both the relays, with Lisa Mayhew running a leg in both, and basketball star Mortice Ivy running the anchor in the 4x4. Donna King swept the sprints for Omaha Bryan, while Terry Smith won the gold for Hastings in the 400, where she was undefeated for the season. The Class A Girls Tennis Championship came down to the final matches as suburban Omaha rivals Westside and Burke battled it out. Burke needed to sweep matches over the Warriors in number one singles and number one doubles in order to win. Nancy Rath of Burke did her part, winning a nearly three-hour match over Christine Loff to win the singles crown. But Westside's Susie Olson and Leslie Simon upset Burke's top-seeded double team of Debbie Hiddleston and Cheryl Wyndham to claim the title 52-44. It was a return to the top for the Warriors, who had swept Class A five times from 1976 to 1980, and revenge, since it was the Burke Bulldogs who had stolen the 81 crown. Kathy Gustafson won number two singles for Lincoln East, while Jenna Lane and Debbie Somberg took number two doubles for West Side. In Class B, Omaha Duchesne was nearly perfect in winning its third straight championship in a streak that would go all the way to six. They won number one singles with Ann Egan, number two singles with Kathy Connor, and number one doubles with Jean Fitzpatrick and Sharon Connor. Only Lincoln Pius X, Ann Byington, and Bridget Spethman's win over the Cardinals in the number two doubles final kept Duchesne from a perfect record in the tournament. They easily outdistanced runner-up Kearney Catholic. Soccer was still a club sport in 1982 for both the boys and the girls, and the Omaha girls were playing for the Hoover Cup. Marion won the tournament with a 2-1 win over Duchesne. Chris Adwers and Ann Wolfe scored the goals for the winning Crusaders. As the year came to an end, the World Herald nominated five girls for the Athlete of the Year Award, an award they had started giving out in 1976. 
Hastings track star Terry Smith and Kearney Volleyball and Basketball All-Stater Brenda Ward were on their list, as was Sarita Miller of Bellevue East, who set the state basketball tournament scoring record with 26 against Central and finished second in the Class A shot. North Bend's Donna Waddle had a strong resume that included being captain of the All-State basketball team and a prep All-American. It's hard to argue with the winner, though. Columbus Lakeview's Lene Lasky, she was the state's best volleyball player and headed to Nebraska to play for Terry Pettit, though in a stark difference from our 1995 episode a while back, she is only going to Nebraska as a walk-on, despite being the state's best prep player. And Pettit's comments in the paper are that Nebraska high school volleyball in 1982 is behind other parts of the nation in producing top volleyball talent. Boy, things have changed since then. Lusky was also basketball all-state and held the state record in the high jump. The Lincoln Journal, though, did disagree with that choice. They gave their version of the award to junior Carlene Erickson of Wheeler Central for her dominance on the track. Team-wise, the World Herald's Girls All-Sports Award saw a couple of ties in 1982. In Class A, Lincoln East and Lincoln Northeast finished in a deadlock. Lincoln Pius X and Sydney did the same in Class B. In Class C, Hastings St. Cecilia was shut out in state championships, but still edged Howells and Elkhorn Valley for the All-Sports Award. In Class D, Sumner Eddyville Miller pulled off the same trick, finishing ahead of Bertrand and Clearwater. Girls' sports in Nebraska in 1982 were taking another step forward. More state championships were staged on equal footing with the boys. More sports saw more schools involved. More athletes were excelling and starting to draw interest from colleges, just like the Nebraska boys had been doing for years and years. The first decade of girls' athletics in the age of Title IX drew to a close with some great athletes, great teams, and great performances. On the boys' side of the equation in 1982, it was such an outstanding year that the World Herald felt the need to nominate 10 Athlete of the Year finalists instead of the traditional five. But that's for another episode. We'll call this episode to a close, a great look at the 1982 girls' athletes in Nebraska. We'll talk to you again as soon as we have another episode of Suiting Up Varsity. Until next time, you can check out our website, at suitingupvarsity.org or follow us on Twitter where our handle is at suitupvarsity where we like to post pictures and other uh, remembrances from Nebraska sports history. When you get there, you can ask us questions about Nebraska high school sports history or leave suggestions for future episodes or tell us what changes the NSAA should make in its organization of championships. Or you could just answer this week's trivia question. What girl athlete was honored by the Lincoln Journal as the first Athlete of the Year winner in 1974? We hope to hear from you soon. Also, if you like this podcast, take time to rate us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever else you find your podcasts. It helps others to find our show. This has been Suiting Up Varsity 2020. Written and produced by me, Greg Mays. Technical and research assistance by my brothers, Tate Mays and Trin Mays. Helpful audio advice and encouragement from Chris Shukai. And as always, dedicated to Jerry Mathers, the godfather of Nebraska high school sports history and the inspiration for this podcast. Suiting Up Varsity is the anchor show of the Nebraska Varsity Network.